Hi, I'm Dr. Chuck Page, the best guy to see on the worst day of your life. And uh, I have an interesting guest with me today, Dr. Jim Invokestad, and he is an obstetrician gynecologist, recently retired from Atlanta, Georgia. And he's written a book called Road Trip. And he tells of his experiences uh, for the past uh, almost 20 years serving uh, a community in Haiti. And so today we're going to hear his story. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? Good, Chuck. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you on the show. Uh, Jim, um, let's talk a little bit about how you got into this gig. How did you, you get involved in missions? Well, it goes back to uh, a long history of uh, ministers in my family. My grandfather and uncles were both both Lutheran, all Lutheran ministers, so I had that kind of a a bent, and my uh, grandfather did a lot of mission work during World War II with the uh, Norwegian uh, relief, etc. But anyway, uh, I I decided as a junior in high school that I really wanted to go into medicine, and um, I uh, applied to medical school, but at the same time I applied to divinity school uh, my senior year of college, and ironically got letters of acceptance to both on the same day. Um, I had to make a decision, and um, as I looked at the two, I thought, well, I can go to medical school now, and probably I could always go to a seminary if I really wanted to do that. I probably would not be able to go to seminary and then come back and go to medical school. That would be that would not work out. That's quite well. a crossroad. So obviously, yeah. you chose to be uh, a physician, and you went and became an obstetrician. And so, tell us now about that moment where you kind of got the gig or got the idea or got the itch to do short-term missions? So it was, uh, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I uh, was doing a surgery with a friend of mine, fellow obstetrician, on a Saturday, and he said, uh, what do you think about the Haiti uh, trip? And uh, I said, I don't know, what are you talking about? At Grand Rounds, um, a woman had come back from Haiti, and uh, she worked with Child Spring International, and had said that they were looking to possibly set up some OB wow. clinics and wondered if she could bring down some OBGYNs to look at it and see what would be possible. I said, yeah, you know, I've always thought about mission and things, but I'm not, not right now, maybe uh, I'll look at it in the future, maybe mm-hmm. try to make some plans. And then we were done with the operation, and uh, I, I sort of said to myself, wait, he said the Haiti trip, not the Haiti project. So uh, rumbling from my background came uh, those old good fraternity day words, road trip. And I decided... <laughs> and that's the, that, that's the title that, of your book. That's yeah. the title of the book, because that's what it was. <laughs> I went there not knowing what I was going to do, why I was doing it, I was just going. And, um, and so then uh, went there and subsequently learned that when you go to Haiti, uh, it's sort of a pass-fail exam. You right. either fall in love with it, think, feel compassionate, yeah. want to go back, do more things, or you are just so overwhelmed by the poverty, the challenges and stuff, you just say, I can't come back. And it's, it's, it's okay either way. Uh, so but, obviously yeah. you were filled with compassion, and it was overwhelming, of course, and, and but it changed your life and kind of yeah. changed the trajectory of your life as well. That's correct. You're exactly right. Yeah, it, it taught me a lot of things. It uh, changed um, my persona. Uh, you know, when you're in medicine, you learn to per- develop lots of protective layers around yourself. Yes, sir. Because I resemble you, that statement. You, because you need to be firm and compassionate, but not uh, 
uh, overly so, so that you're falling apart taking care of somebody. So as a result, you'll build up all these insulating layers to keep you a certain distance. And as a result, I think you suffer. You are not vulnerable. And when you're not vulnerable, you don't have the ability to truly express joy right. because you're protecting against hurt. And when I went to Haiti, I was exposed to the people that had the most vulnerable lifestyles ever, and you found that they had joy and compassion for each other, and uh, and they gave us so much, even though we thought they were to help them. Mm. So uh, it turns out they helped us. So what's so interesting is I listen to your story, Jim. Um, you know, often when we think, even in medicine, we think we're imparting wisdom and knowledge and health and same in, in mission trips it sounds like in this situation that you actually have received more than you've given you, you actually i think in your book you talk about it as the flip the flip yeah yes tell us a little bit about that you know so often we think about um you know what we're going to impart but but really what what's in it for for those people who decide to go on a mission trip what do they gain out of it so when we uh take people down that want to be involved in the mission, we always say the first trip you go is a trip of discernment. It's mm. there just to experience the culture, see what it's like. You're not necessarily just going down to paint a classroom, build a building or whatever. That may happen, but if you're going to do long term, you need to go and understand the culture and realize you are a guest in their country, in their mm. culture, and need to then meld what you can offer them and accept. This is the big part, accept what they can give you, because as healers and doers, it's hard for us to accept help. Mm. And when you learn to say, can you help me, uh, huge, huge flip. So earlier, was, as, as we were talking and kind of preparing for the show, you were telling the story about you being there during the earthquake. Right. Well, first of all, what was that like, being there during the, the that tragic earthquake? Well, we were on the little island of Laganav, which is out in the bay and away from Port-au-Prince. So right. we were uh, in the afternoon just sitting on a veranda and the buildings were shaking and things were falling off and we suddenly realized this is an earthquake. We need to get down and out into the open area. Um, and then uh, it, everything sort of settled down, lots of aftershocks, but we did not realize the extent of the damage in Port-au-Prince on the mainland. You know, it was a group of 12 of us and um, uh, yeah, you know, it was like, well, I don't know that we heard the airport was damaged or something, and I sort of said, well, you know, it's probably not that bad. We might have to be delayed a couple of days getting home. Right. We didn't realize the whole thing had been destroyed, and uh, there were we didn't no, realize you take a residence there exactly, in Haiti. <laughs> exactly. So that was the first uh, shock for us. You know, the the how are we going to get home kind of deal, and um, and then. Uh, uh, you know, surveying the damage that we had in the local area, which wasn't too bad. There were a few walls crumbled and cracks in buildings, but nobody was hurt. Um, and then we started finding out the true extent of the devastation. Uh, and um, and so you uh, apparently you went to some to do some clinic work on the mainland. Well, and the, yeah, the the um, there's another mission group down there, uh, which is is there permanently um, at the Wesleyan Hospital. Right. And they had a satellite phone, so they knew what was going on. And they are part of the Wesleyan um, uh, religious uh, group, and they had pastors in Port-au-Prince that they were in communication with. And they said, is there any way you can bring any medical people over to help us, you know, with, right. with, with what the devastation was there? 
So the director was talking to me and he said he was getting his nurse practitioner and a couple of nurses uh, ready to go over. The head physician and the head nurse from the hospital had already gone to Port-au-Prince to look for their children mm. to see if they could find them, Wow, the adult children. So, so then I, the seeds put in my mind, uh, do I stay here and go with them, you know, and mm. not go home? Uh, and so that was the first big decision. And I decided I would go with them, and then we went on over to, uh, and that's more detailed in the book, how we got to got over to Port-au-Prince, where we stayed, mm -hmm. and then the subsequent activities that we did uh, with, our, with our meager supplies. But now you met a man who offered you water. Tell yeah. us, tell the audience so, about that. So our original plan was to go, we were staying in um, 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 Port-au-Prince, and we were going to go to Pedigouave, which was an old church camp way outside of Port-au-Prince, and we were going to set up stations there to help the injured in that area. A pastor from another church in Carrefour called him the night before and said, hey, my church is gone, the school's gone except for one classroom building, and we've got people laying all over here with broken bones and gashes, and can your team come over here before they go to Pedigouave? Right. So the day we were going to be organizing our supplies and such, we instead went over to this. So we were driving through the rubble uh, and uh, came upon where the uh, schoolroom was, and, and a lot of people were laying in the streets at this time and had built up little stone walls around them so nobody would run over them. Uh, and uh, we had to slow down to enter this little gate in the in the in the in the um, in the in the wall. We're in a pickup truck, I'm in the shotgun, our pastor's in the drivers, and we've got the three nurses in the back seat, and then the back end is filled with supplies covered by an iron, iron uh, uh, a great cage. And uh, as we stop to turn in there, there's a knock on the window, and there's this man in his Rasta hat, old grizzled face, <laughs> and the uh, pastor rolls down the window, and the man asks, do we have any water? And our driver, pastor, said, no, we don't. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, we got a whole case of water in the back underneath. We've hidden it, uh, but we could surely give him a bottle. And I know he would probably share it. They'd probably go make soup or something. It would be more than just one guy getting a bottle of water. And then uh, I thought, well, you know, maybe it's like on an airplane. You know, you take the oxygen mask for yourself right. first, and then Help you give or take care of the kids or whoever's next to you. So maybe, yeah, we should keep the water, and uh, uh, then we can do our good work. We spent the day setting fractures, repairing lacerations, cleaning people up, and um, it is hot and there's a closed room with no ventilation. And late in the day, I looked at the door to see who was going to be coming in next, and was there could there be a breeze possibly? And there, standing in the door, was that man from the street with 12 bottles of water in his arms, and he puts them on the floor and he said, "Here, you're going to need these." Wow. The flip. The flip. Thus the flip. So yeah. I can tell you, you still the emotions yeah. still kind yeah. of well up when you yeah. think about that incident. Yeah, how much yeah. that they were willing to give you. Yeah, total misunderstanding on our part. Don't we? I think so often as Westerners, we we fail to have that sense of of hospitality and generosity that we see these people with so little give so much of what they have. And isn't that, isn't that one of the take home? you know take home things for you uh in your trips yes absolutely and yep. so you chose to stay at the same place and invest in the same community there for the past 20 years tell us what right. kind of difference have you made in that community 
Well, uh, it's not just me, obviously. It's our sure. big organization, the Lagadav Haiti Partners, and they've been, they actually were going there before I ever showed up, so there's a lot of groundwork that had already been laid. There are several communities that are out in the, out in the mountains, and churches in the United States partner with each of those communities, and they have for their emphasis of clean water, sanitation with building mm -hmm. latrines, educational uh, support for the kids in school, even now adult literacy, and uh, actually uh, goat and uh, good uh, um, programs for agriculture. Mm. Uh, and so it becomes a multicultural uh, endeavor. Right. And, and uh, as far as medicine is concerned, we now have two really good Haitian doctors at our clinic that are there year-round. Uh, two of the uh, nurses went on to become nurse midwives, and they're there now too. And as a result of that, um, the infant mortality and the maternal mortality has gone way down. Wow, that's, that's know, with minimal effort and on our part, but major effort on theirs, which is so. Really made so, so much of your role is really teaching and kind of equipping those people down there right. to to know how to do yeah. obstetrics. And we just hope they'll stay. Yeah, so do I. So tell me a little bit about how how people can reach you, how where people can find your book. Right, so um, they can find uh, the book at, uh, you can go online at, uh, I think it's Ingram Publishing or Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, and it's available in uh, paperback or on Kindle. Uh, and um, then, uh, Maybe just ask for it through your local bookstore. Or go to your local bookstore. Everybody likes that better. And do you have yep. a website? I do, and it is, um, I have to think about it. I just started it, so I've got to look it up for you. I think it's drjamesauthor.com. Dr. James, that's drjamesauthor.com. Right. I, and I, and I, uh, I totally get it myself. I, You know, it's sometimes hard. I we have five children. I can't even sometimes remember their names. I'm yeah, like number yeah, one, number two, number yeah, three, number yeah, four, number yeah, five. Yeah. So I totally get it. But yeah. folks, this is uh, this is Dr. Jim's book. Um, it's uh, Road Trip, and I would encourage you to go out and buy a copy, and uh, and hear some more of these good stories. It's really, you know, what I really have, what I've seen in the book so far. So often we think about what's in it for me, and actually Jim talks about that. He talks about the fact that. You know, so often when we go on these trips, we think that we're going to receive, we're going to give so much and impart all these things, when really it's, it's the flip. We really realize just how much we receive um, in return. You know, we can never give God, can we, Jim? Nope. Jim, you got any final words that you want to say to our audience before we close? I think the main thing I would say about road trip is that it's it can be a physical road trip, but it also can be a metaphorical road trip. Mm. And I think every one of us every day is has the opportunity to take a road trip, and it's just the matter of taking that little bit of risk to make it happen mm. and experience uh, mm. a new adventure, a, a new joy. Well, well Jim, you have, you have some inspiring stories in here, and I really appreciate you taking that road trip, taking that first step of, of, of faith and going out and, uh, you know, beginning to, 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 in a sense, I think, fulfill your destiny. Uh, so many times as physicians, we don't want to do this kind of stuff. We're so busy in our practice and our lives, and, and uh, but we for often lose sight of just how much we gain. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Chuck. And, uh, thanks for your Thanks for your time. Thank you. This is my new road trip right now. Amen. <laughs> for both of us. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you for joining the podcast today. I'm Dr. Page, the best guy to see on the worst day of your life. Don't forget if, uh, to like the podcast, subscribe, and to share with your friends. We'd be honored if you do so. Our goal is to help you see the opportunities that God brings in your obstacles. So until next time, stay focused.